Hi, everybody. I'm Sam Shaheen, and you're listening to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. We've seen a huge surge in the prevalence of lightweight gear in the past decade, but Mystery Ranch remains one of the few holdouts, refusing to sacrifice durability for weight. Perhaps this is because of their long history of working with the U.S. military, fire departments, and law enforcement. Or perhaps it's because of the unique culture at Mystery Ranch. For example, every product designer on their staff started on the sewing floor. One of those product designers is Alex Rich. I sat down with Alex to discuss what it's like to design packs for U.S. Special Forces, how their military designs trickle down to outdoor packs and vice versa, how their design ethos reflects their sustainability culture, and much more. So here it is, my conversation with Alex Rich. So today we are talking with Alex Rich from Mystery Ranch. How are you doing today, Alex? Doing all right. How's uh, how's quarantine treating you? Uh, you know, it's hasn't been too bad uh, thus far, thanks to some of our DoD contracts and some of the stuff we've been doing for the medical community here locally in Bozeman. Um, it's it's allowed Mr. Ranch to stay open and kind of function on a skeleton crew. So I've still been going in at least part of the day every day. So quarantine hasn't been too terrible yet. Wow, I am so jealous. I've been in my house for almost three weeks straight now and I'm, I'm running out of food so tomorrow i think is a grocery store day which i'm so excited for but <laughs> it's the little things <laughs> reset the clock man <laughs> um, yeah i've been kind of doing occasional calls to uh our sales team and some of our marketing staff that's just been primarily working from home just checking in to make sure they're still sane and uh, still with us so to start off, can you tell us a little bit about your background in the outdoor industry and how you ended up with your current role at Mystery Ranch and what your uh, current role at Mystery Ranch is? Yeah, sure. Um, my current role at Mystery Ranch, I am the product designer for the outdoor market and for hunting. And that kind of includes a pretty broad spectrum. Hunting's pretty self-explanatory, but our outdoor market includes everything from, you know, big expedition size backpacking bags all the way through, you know, kind of small pocketry and everyday carry type stuff that, you know, people would take to their office job or what have you. So it's a pretty broad spectrum of what I work on at Mystery Ranch. And I've been at Mystery Ranch for almost eight years now. And my story and kind of all of our product development story, at least currently as a whole, is everybody that's in product development at Mystery Ranch now started out on the production floor. So it's kind of like, yeah, train on the job, you learn how to sew, you kind of learn the ins and outs of, you know, how to build a pack. And then, you know, a number of us have been able to kind of work our way up and, you know, been able to, you know, start designing the packs. Um, so that's kind of like the brief history of my time at Mystery Ranch. My background though, like, you know, I've been, kind of interested in outdoor um, activities pretty much my entire life. I grew up in uh, Bishop, California, uh, which is kind of a hotbed for, you know, climbing, skiing, you know, pretty much all things outdoor. It's one of those special places and eventually moved to Bozeman where pretty much the same availability uh, as far as just an outdoor Mecca. Got a degree um, in design and kind of here we are today. Wow. Interesting. So you started on the sewing floor at Mr. Ranch. Yep. So 
I have dabbled in sewing. I'm far, far, far from an expert. But every time I sit down at the sewing machine, I find like new things that both fascinate me and frustrate me. What was your favorite part about the hands-on sewing part? Well, personally, like I love just working with my hands. Um, So being able to sit at a machine and take something that's just raw material, just basic shapes of fabric and be able to put those together, you know, and at the end of the day, what you have is this really cool functional three-dimensional object that you can go out, you can use. Um, You know, I think that's probably one of the most satisfying parts of being able to put together an entire backpack. Do you have a favorite, a favorite thing to sew? Like, is it zippers or is it like sewing Velcro or like making pockets or a stitch that you're into? Uh, I think there's a number of things that have their merits. I mean, sewing zippers on is extremely satisfying. Yeah. It's probably one of the easier (laughs) things to put onto a backpack. Uh, And it's just, you can just rip through it. So going really fast is kind of fun. But there's definitely like more things that I hate about sewing on backpacks, (laughs) especially on some of the bigger bags. Like we end up sewing yourself into like these really difficult positions to, you know, like you're wrestling four or five pounds of material around the sewing machine. And, you know, especially in a production setting where you're doing that, you know, 30, 40, you know, sometimes 50 times a day, it can get pretty bothersome. I think that's a fine answer. I, uh, this is is not inspiring me to, uh, to, to, to get out my sewing machine for the quarantine. I have to say, (laughs) Hey, start small, man. You don't have to build a uh, hundred liter backpack on your first go. You could start with little pockets and that sort of thing. Yeah, that sounds good. The last thing I sewed was a uh, a pouch for my iPad. It was pretty complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk more about Mystery Ranch. One of the first things that I think about when I think of Mystery Ranch is how burly you guys make your packs. You know, there are so many packs, especially that we get at Blister you know, these sort of cutting edge outdoor packs that are ultralight gram counting, you know, using Spectra and Dyneema and all this, you know, like this cutting edge ultralight technology to make packs that are as light as possible. What keeps you guys from going in that direction? So I think to kind of answer that question, you know, holistically, we kind of have to back up a little bit and talk a little bit about Mr. Ranch's heritage. Because that durability story is kind of baked in. Mr. Ranch was founded by Dana Gleason. Um, he's been building backpacks for, it's got to be over 40 years. So I'm probably going get, to get a nasty gram tomorrow for not knowing exactly how long he's been <laughs> making backpacks. But uh, uh, it's been a while. Anyhow, how he got into making backpacks is he was actually repairing outdoor gear. And there were certain things that he was getting really frustrated with um, that he would always see, you know, packs and gear coming in that he'd be repairing nonstop. So that was kind of the impetus for him to go forward and to start designing his own packs. So the reason that I say it's kind of baked in is he started from a repair perspective, perspective that, you know, why would you go back and repair a pack when you could just like build it burly in the first place? So Fast forward to kind of the genesis of Mystery Ranch. One of the biggest things that kind of put Mystery Ranch on its current path is winning some military contracts. And those military guys, like a lot of them are actually like living out of their backpacks. And that's like, it's a piece of kit that they absolutely have to rely on and it has to work no matter what. Um, So that's kind of 
you know, fast forwarding from those repair days into like a really need based burly piece of kit. And then once we started getting into like the outdoor industry and you know, wildland firefighting and some of these other ventures, like that style of being able to build like a really durable, really burly piece of gear kind of just naturally translated into kind of our style, I guess you could say. And kind of in today's day and age, like one of the things that we're trying to be very conscious of is weight. But one of the things that we're not willing to sacrifice is kind of that durability in favor of weight. We would rather make one pack that carries really well, that has like a little bit of a weight penalty, but you're going to be able to carry the same pack comfortably year after year and season after season. Yeah. So, I mean, as you guys have gotten more and more in the outdoor industry, and I'd say like you're a, you're, you got a pretty solid line aimed at, you know, trekking and skiing and climbing and things like that. There has to be a lot of sort of market pressure to make packs that fit into, you know, like the traditional market. Like there's not a whole lot that you guys are direct competitors with. How do you guys keep from like breaking down and making that ultralight pack in addition to, you know, the other burlier stuff that you guys have? So I think one of the ways to kind of talk about that is we have some pretty burly, like fit for use guidelines based on some of that, that heritage and some of those like military bags that we're working on and everything. So we've basically set the bar really high for ourselves from a durability standpoint. So that is kind of what keeps us from using really ultra lightweight materials that might have lower tear strengths that might, you know, not hold a stitch as well. You know, so that's kind of like our entry level is we have to meet this specific bar of our fit for use guideline. It's kind of the challenge on the designer at that point to design things in a way that's, you know, both very functional as, as far as like fit and form. And then also balancing that act with, you know, making very conscious decisions on like what features to put into a pack and what features to leave out, you know, in favor of weight versus functionality. When you look forward, do you see potential technologies on the horizon, potential textile innovations that would allow you guys to drastically cut weight while still maintaining your strict durability standards? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's one of the cooler aspects of, you know, working on kind of new cutting edge products um, is the material forefront. We have really good relationships with the material vendors that we work with. And one of the things that we've done kind of in the recent day and age is we've been able to take kind of our standard bomber material, which is a 500 denier Cordura. And we worked with one of our mills in specific to come up with a material that's just got a little bit of a durability penalty, but it's two-thirds the weight of that 500D and it. We came up with this 330 denier light plus Cordura. And like I said, the only number that's down from that is like a little bit on tear strength. Whereas every other number that we've tested for is the same, if not better. So that was one of the areas that like currently we're working with those mills in an active manner to try to come up with lightweight materials that still fit like that very high fit for use standard. You know, and as we continue down the path of like, you know, working with these innovations and working with these mills and fostering the relationships that we have, I think we're going to be able to continue to drop that weight bar and maintain higher durability. You know, it's one of the things that I really respect about you guys is the fact that you're not willing to sacrifice things like carry and durability 
for weight, you know? So often I get packs and I'm like, this thing is great, but it's total crap. And it's not to say that there aren't really good ultralight packs out there, because there are, and I there's a lot that I really like. But I like that you guys take a different approach. The The market needs some some variability. So I'm not trying to rip you guys that line of questioning, just, uh, <laughs> just trying to dig. No, totally. And it's something that we talk about actively, you know, pretty much season over season is like, is this the year that we're going to go ultralight? And we keep that at a distance because our first priority is making sure that the user is comfortable. And oftentimes we feel that that weight penalty is actually in benefit of the user versus, you know, saving a couple grams here or there. Yeah. And a lot of times it is, especially from a carry perspective. I mean, like if you have a pack that carries well, you're going to use less energy. That's just it's pretty simple. Yeah. In some of our larger expedition size backpacking bags, we have four different types of foam in the waist belt system. <laughs> so, you know, when some of our competitors are using like one type of foam um, in a very like kind of restricted manner to keep those weight penalties down, we're kind of going the other direction is like, hey, how can we make this thing carry as best as possible? Um and support the user rather than kind of, you know, put them in an awkward ergonomic position. And, you know, it's kind of our philosophy that the more that we can support the individual and the better their posture can be, the more efficient they can carry a load and the farther than they can go. Yeah, I, uh, having experienced that firsthand, I very much respect that, that ethos. <laughs> Probably one of the more intense uh, areas that we kind of learned that lesson is actually from our hunting side of things. You know, our, our military customer, they're definitely in the camp of embrace the suck. It doesn't matter how bad things get, they're just going to suck it up and they're going to carry something no matter what. Um, and our outdoor customers, like we want them to be as comfortable as possible. But our hunting customer oftentimes is the guy who like, I want a lightweight backpack that can carry, you know, 120 plus pound loads comfortably for, you know, 10 plus miles sometimes. Um, you know, and that's a really tricky problem to solve for, you know, when you're trying to deliver a lightweight product that carries that much weight for that duration. Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of a delicate balancing act. And hearing that just makes me really glad that I don't hunt. That sounds, yeah. <laughs> sounds brutal. <laughs> yeah. The best part of, uh, hauling out those kinds of loads, is a backpack full of stakes generally. So. You guys do a lot of work with the military. I know we've talked about this a little bit, but I want to kind of dive into that because I think it's super unique and gives you guys a kind of fascinating perspective in the outdoor world. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges of designing for military applications? Primarily, we work with uh, the special operations community, um, which is an insanely cool group of guys that you get to work with. Um, not just from a standpoint of them being kind of the tip of the spear, but also the, the, what I'm going to call different design problems that they bring to us is they'll get like a new piece of kit. Um, let's say it's a explosive ordnance disposal robot. And they're like, Hey, we got to carry this thing on our whoa, back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can you explain what that, what you just said? <laughs> yeah, sure. So, um, you know, especially Iraq and Afghanistan, um, when guys are dealing with, um, IEDs or, you know, other sensitive, you know, ordinance that could explode at any point. Oftentimes they won't send a person or, you know, an animal in, into that deadly scenario. They'll actually send a robot in there to either place a charge or to investigate a little bit closer. Um, and, you know, they're, 
track machines that have, you know, cameras, sometimes functioning arms. Think of like a lunar or Mars rover kind of thing. Gotcha. So like, like we've, we've seen stuff like this on TV. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, some of these special operations community, they're running small enough robots that they want to be able to carry it with them. So they're like, hey, I want a bag or a backpack that I can put this robot into. So while we're out on patrol, if I need to use that robot, I can deploy it at any time versus going back to a vehicle and finding it. So well, so are, are you guys making packs that are so specialized as like, this guy gets the robot pack because he carries the robot. And like, this guy's the medic, he gets the medic pack. And this guy's the like, whatever dude who has to carry XYZ gun or whatever. And he gets a special other pack or are they all sort of like interchangeable to an extent? Um, so we have a few different packs that are very specific to the person or the job that that individual is doing. So I think probably the two most common that we work with are the comms guys and the medics. Um, the comms guys are the ones that are running around. They have radios, they have wireless, you know, networks that they can set up. They have laptops, they, you know, pretty much anything data related. Um, these guys need to carry around and be able to access that gear a little bit differently than you would from a traditional backpack. So we make a very specific bag for them. And then for the medics, we make a different bag that, you know, gives them direct access to, you know, specific pouches for gunshot wounds. They have specific pouches for lesions, like, you know, all sorts of different pouches that they want to be able to configure their own way. And they have a very specific way that they want to interact with the bag. If somebody is administering care to a casualty, they want to be able to function throughout their bag with one hand. So it you know, requires a very specific design of that bag in order for it to work. Fascinating. So, so I imagine then, so like if we go back to this idea of the, the IED robot, every time that the military gets a new robot, you guys have to make a new pack for that form factor? So not necessarily. And, and a lot of it depends on the unit that's getting it. Um, or how the contract is laid out. There's sometimes where in order for a specific contract to be fulfilled, that item has to be packaged in order to sell it to the military. So there's sometimes that we're actually working with a different manufacturer in order to package something to sell it to the military. And this is kind of where like things really get complicated on like how we work with the military. Um, you know, and when I say military, we're not generally speaking about um, big army type stuff. We're talking more special operations community or, um, you know, smaller, more specific units that need, uh, you know, a specific piece of gear. So I know you guys offer some of the military packs for sale on your website. Are those packs you guys offer on your site? Are those identical to the ones that special forces, special ops get? Oh yeah. Yep. Um, which is kind of fun. That sometimes like when you're watching, you know, documentaries or when you're especially like Hollywood movies, if you see one of our packs in there, you know that the the, the costume designers did their research and got like the right pack um, <laughs> be, because those packs that we're selling on our web, website um, are absolutely the same, the same packs that the guys, you know, boots on the ground are wearing, you know, overseas and as just a general user, you can go onto our website and pick up one of those packs designed specifically for um, those units. Yeah, so I so I, I can put my at home IED diffusing robot into my backpack and go on my quarantine walks. Yeah, I don't know if you can buy one of those. <laughs> um, 
um, you know, that might be more of a special menu item. Uh, but as far as like the three day assault, the, um, you know, some of the blackjack series bags you can pick up the rats. That's the medical specific one. You can purchase that on our website. So yeah, there's a few on there that you can get into just purchasing through our site. Um, but there's, Oh, our entire design room is full of packs that like one-off special things that we did for, you know, special military units or did like a limited run of something for these guys that had a very specific job, you know? So it's, it's kind of a cool thing that, you know, it's not necessarily like a seasonal development and it definitely keeps things pretty fresh back there when people come in with like a crazy, Hey, can you do this? Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's it's fascinating. I think we could have a whole podcast talking about military backpacks. <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm not even on the military side of the business anymore, so um, I'm just kind of giving you the cursory glance of what we're doing on that side of things. Well, I think then you'll you should be able to answer this question pretty easily now that you're on the outdoor side. It seems like you know you guys do participate in such a wide breadth of markets, and I have to imagine that there's a lot of sort of trickle down technology that comes from the military side or whichever that ends up in some of the other lines. Can you talk a little bit about the complementary design and technology that gets shared across the various product lines? Yeah, sure. One of the things that's really cool about like how we design product at Mr. Ranch, everybody in product development started on the production floor. Um, now that we're in product development, everybody works in the same room. So I'm working on hunting and outdoor stuff. And then we've got a couple other designers that are working on wildland firefighting and military stuff. So it's not like the individuals are separate geographically from one another. We're all in the same space. We're just working on different projects. So what that kind of enables us to do is like, if somebody's working on something for, you know, let's say the Navy SEALs and I'm working on a outdoor pack, let's say it's just a you know, a backpacking bag and I see something cool that they're working on, there's nothing to hold me back from, you know, utilizing that or tweaking that and putting it onto something I'm working on or vice versa, you know, where if I'm developing something for the outdoor line, you know, one of those guys can definitely pick that up and, you know, kind of implement that. I think one of the coolest examples of that, you know, kind of sharing of ideas thing is, you know, we were making military bags that had this kind of hybridized external frame system. Um, we were making a specific bag that was designed to carry loadouts of, you know, cases of ammo. You could throw one of those EOD robots in in this specific um, pouch in this bag. Um, and it was actually one of the guys in-house that was an avid elk hunter that he found out that instead of putting like ammo cans or, you know, EOD robots or whatever the military is carrying in that thing, it's great for an elk quarter. So he started using that when as his hunting bag, which kind of, translated into cool this bag works pretty good for this application but if we could make it lighter and a little bit more comfortable you know for this specific application like that would be a really good idea so that's kind of when we went in you know kind of skeletonized the frame stripped out a bit of weight and came up with like this very specific hunting frame and it actually translated back to the military side of things because when we were developing a new military frame they were taking some of the technology that we developed for the hunting frame and applied it to what they're working on. It's a really cool environment to work in, um, you know, very dynamic. You never know what's going to come through the door, um, you know, and I don't know who said it, but innovation is the child of necessity. 
And, you know, especially with those military contracts, the hunters, you know, and the demanding outdoor user, there's a lot of necessity out there. Um, and we've been able to innovate and come up with some pretty cool solutions um, based off of those, those ideas and those needs. Yeah, I mean, that, that brings up another thing I want to talk about, which is you guys have a lot of your everyday carry stuff is heavily inspired, at least aesthetically, by your military lines, especially the Urban Assault series. And the Urban Assault series has become sort of wildly popular just just in the sort of streetwear outside the outdoor industry space. Can you talk a little bit about how that happened and how those these sort of like new markets for you guys affect your design process? Sure. Um, so one of the cool things about, you know, working for a company like Mystery Ranch is because of those diverse markets, like there's a lot of packs that we get to design for, again, like that military application that, you know, once you start working on something like that and start using it more and more, you start to kind of develop this love affair for specific design stories or aesthetics or, you know, in the case of the three zip, like it's kind of become almost our signature look. And it gives us the ability to transfer that like across all of our different markets. So, you know, more or less started as the Sweet Pea and the Snapdragon, um, which were some of our first out, outdoor packs at Mystery Ranch. Um, and then that got sold into the military side of things, uh, which we had to change the name because Sweet Pea and Snapdragon don't work so well for the military. But it's kind of interesting because it started out as an outdoor bag, went into a military bag. And then down the road, we translated that into our outdoor line. We translated that into our everyday carry line, into our hunting line. So, you know, that three zip really like kind of spans all of our diverse markets and gives us that really trademark look. It's a really cool access story. I personally just love how you could use this as a top loader. You can get to stuff at the bottom of your bag really easy, you know, and it's just kind of something different. You know, there's so many panel loaders what we call panel loaders that have just that kind of zip over the top so common um and sometimes people are just looking for something a little bit different and that's that's cool to be able to provide like a different silhouette for that it's so interesting from my perspective because usually you design for a market and then you go to that market but occasionally like other markets pick up your designs right so like this idea of the more urban crowd picking up the the three zip outdoor pack design is is really kind of interesting and not really predictable has that changed the way that you look at the design process when you when you design for that different market i don't know if it's really impacted the way that we design because we still try to have like a pretty diverse offering as far as access story is concerned you know offering that three zip for people that want that more unique shape and we also do offer, you know, more of a panel loader style for people that like a more traditional, you know, access story to their backpack or a top loader. So we try to keep our silhouettes and our kind of access story really diverse. And it's just been really interesting to see how the market kind of reacts to what we have to offer and kind of what they're attracted to. And the three zips just something that, you know, we've had in the line for a while and it just continues to get this following that's just incredible. Yeah, I've been using the Urban Assault 24 now as my everyday carry pack for a while, which is high praise because I have a 
unbelievable number of backpacks. <laughs> and I've really grown to like it. You know, when I first got it, I'm not going to lie, it took a while for me to adjust to the three zip. And I had a hard time getting into it quickly and getting used to the to the, just the structure of it and the way that it all comes together. But I kept going back to it and I kept going back to it. And now I just don't really use any other packs. And I think a lot of that is to do with the three zip access. You know, it's easy to get to the top and it's easy to get to the bottom without compromising either. And I think that's a, yeah, it's a cool design and it looks rad too. You know, I feel like with a lot of that traditional style backpack, what happens is you kind of lose all the stuff in the bottom anyway, and it becomes really bottom heavy. And with a lot of our designs too, we try to get that pocketry to be able to accommodate things a little bit higher in the bag. And it just makes it carry a lot, a lot nicer too. So not only are you not needing to dig for stuff in the bottom of the bag because of that zipper, but we also have some nice pockets on the inside to like kind of keep all your gear um, a little bit higher. So it's also, it's not just an access story. It's also an organization story, I guess is what I'm trying to drive at, you know, that people start to really organize their gear based on the bag and how they like to work with the bag versus like us just dictating like, Hey, this goes here. It's kind of like, there's a little bit of a learning curve, I guess you could say um, to interacting with that three zip style and, you know, kind of understanding like why it's so cool and why it works so well. Let's talk a little bit about a pack that isn't a three zip style. I feel like I would be remiss to have a conversation with you guys and not bring up one of our managing editor's favorite packs of all time. So our managing editor, Luke Kappa, loves the Saddle Peak, uh, specifically as a, as a resort, like an inbounds resort pack. He, he takes a bunch of pictures for us, uses it to, to carry his camera or whatever other stuff, and then he also uses it for some, for some smaller backcountry missions. It's not a huge pack. But can you talk just a little bit about the Saddle Peak in general, the motivation for this pack, the design of the pack? Yeah, the Saddle Peak has kind of been part of Mystery Ranch culture for quite a few years now. Um, it's just lately gotten a little facelift, spruced up a bit. I think there is a three or four year hiatus when we didn't have a ski bag in the line, um, which is kind of a dark period, but hey, we're back. <laughs> you know, I think the Saddle Peak's really important for Mystery Ranch, um, not just as like a piece in our line, but as part of like our culture at Mystery Ranch, you know, being in Bozeman, being so close to Bridger Bowl, I think I'm sure it's been time that you can get from the parking lot of Bridger Bowl to the parking lot of Mystery Ranch. And I want to say it's about 15 minutes. Whew. So it might be a little hot dog in there, but um, <laughs> it's pretty close. And I'm sure there's been a few people on Dawn Patrol trying to get in the office on time. Um, but, you know, one of the things that's like really specific about that pack is it's just like, it's kind of set up for that Bridger Bowl style skiing where there isn't lift access all the way to the top. You have to, you know, you could ride a chair probably two thirds of the way up and then you kind of have to hike the rest of the way, you know? So it's really important to have a, a bag that can carry, you know, extra gear. You could throw your skis on, you know, it's just solid for a good day trip that carries all your Abbey gear in it as well. So you know, being able to get out there and do some, you know, touring or, you know, just basic general day skiing or, you know, just a day pack in general. It's just this all around solid pack. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think one of the reasons why Luke likes it so much kind of circles back to that whole design principle from you guys of build packs that carry really well. You know, 
it's a small pack, but it has an incredibly burly suspension. And when you first see it, it looks overbuilt. Like you're like, this thing does not need a hip belt like that or, you know, any of this, you know, supporting material, blah, blah, blah. And then you put it on, you're like, oh, well, when I do diagonal ski carry, turns out that feels a lot heavier than it actually is because where the skis sit on the pack. And so it's good to have the suspension there. And then you're always jamming way more stuff in there than you think you need to. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, this suspension is not only adequate, it's really comfy. And this is just nice. So I think, I think I speak for Luke when I say that he likes that pack. I haven't gotten to use it because he doesn't let me use it. So I can't really say anything personally about it, but. <laughs> and and I think that kind of speaks to like what Miss, one of Mr. Ranch's like main you know, design philosophies that we have is our first and foremost thing of import is how the pack carries. That's the most important thing to us. And, you know, not that designing a very functional pack or an aesthetically pleasing pack isn't on the list of priorities, but it's not number one. Number one is always going to be that, that fit function. It's always going to be making sure that the user is comfortable. Um, And then number two, and I think this is just kind of how I break things down is like, number one is figuring out, you know, how to interface the bag with the individual as best as we can. And for whatever application they're using it for, then number two would be feature set. So, you know, the saddle peak in particular, you know, you need space for your general goods for the day. Uh, but the most important pocket on that bag is going to be your Abbey gear. Um, so placement of that pocket, also the configuration of that pocket is really important to us. Um, you know, and the third thing then is going to be the aesthetic. So if we can execute those first two things really well, then we can have a little bit of fun, um, dressing the thing up and making it look nice. So, um, I, you know, oftentimes I feel like some of the packs that are out there on the market kind of flip that around where it's aesthetics first, then function, then carry, um, you know, and they're just trying to move packs off the shelf. Whereas we're trying to, you know, get people out in the mountains and keep them comfortable and happy. What about airbag packs oh man we had a foray into airbag packs a while ago um kind of one of the early adopters um as far as getting into the airbag pack kind of that realm um and there you know just a few things that weren't really ironed out as far as the design um process there you know and on the hardware front too i think kind of the where we were with hardware then as compared to now, like the hardware that, you know, some manufacturer using in airbags now is like light years ahead of where we were, we were trying to do it. Um, You know, it's, it's a really complicated system and we've been working really hard on getting, getting our entire line kind of to where we want it before we get into some of these, you know, really complex um, kind of more difficult, you know, design problems. Um, So that might be something that we circle back to in the next couple of years. But as for now, we're kind of, you know, just sticking to our guns a little bit as far as, you know, creating really solid packs. And we might uh, might experiment with some stuff in the future. But yeah, whatever you guys end up doing, I'm excited to, to check it out because I do think that there's a gap in the market for very functional airbag packs because the airbag systems themselves are so heavy. A lot of brands try and make these packs really light to compensate. And uh, as yeah. a result, there i i've worn just a few that i like and there's a lot out there that i that i don't think do a very good job of especially in the carry department so i would like to see a mystery ranch airbag pack again and uh i i think i speak for more than just me when i say that so no pressure you know you guys do your thing but 
yeah. You know, and like I said, it's something that like we kind of see on the horizon potentially. You know, it's it's really cool to work for a company that works in all these different markets, but there are some drawbacks. And I think one of those drawbacks is not being able to like really drill in on, you know, some of these more technical projects because we are spread pretty wide as far as things that we're interested in. You know, so I might be working on, you know, a backpacking bag, a hunting bag, and then to throw in, you know, an airbag system on top of that, you know, workload gets pretty, pretty heavy sometimes. Um, but, you know, now that we got the line a little bit more dialed, we're kind of opening up a little bit more, um, a little bit more space to play. And hopefully we can circle back to work on something, something that can really save lives like that. Yeah, I, I recommend taking some ultralight packs out for, for a couple of days next time you're allowed to leave your house and just see how miserable it actually can be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we definitely on the, on the hunting side of things, we have a saying, um, you know, because of those long duration hikes with a lot of weight, um, we're not going to make your life any better. We're just trying to make it suck less. Exactly. So that's kind of, kind of what I feel like my job is trying to make things suck less. Um, but one of the things that's really cool about like our department in specific, but as Mr. Ranch is a brand and kind of how it works as far as like why our product does function so well, um, is because everybody in product development has that background of sewing on the production floor that we actually have not just the, the computers and the pattern making software and everything at our workstations, but we also have sewing machines. Um, so I still do all of my own prototyping. Oh, wow. Yeah. So pretty much any bag that we've, you know, come out with over the past few years, myself or one of my coworkers has sat down stitched that thing together and gone through multiple iterations of, you know, tearing it apart, putting it back together, figuring out the best way to configure things or to, to work through, you know, harnessing or suspension issues, you know, kind of the whole gambit really. Um, and, you know, that's why we kind of deliver such a refined, you know, carry system when we go to market is because we do spend the time to actually stitch the prototypes, to throw them on our backs, to go for a hike, you know, and when something isn't right, we bring it back, tear it apart, put it back together and, you know, give it another shot. So it's a pretty cool, pretty cool story about Mr. Ranch. And it's nice to have like that, this, that closed design loop, you know, where we can either put it on ourselves or one of our ambassadors or, you know, one of our hardcore users and test things out before we even go to our factories to try to replicate that product. Yeah, that's super unique. And and it really sounds like that when my iPad pouch eventually or inevitably wears out, you're the guy I should talk to about making another one. Well, um, you could talk to our repair department too. <laughs> uh, uh, that's another thing that's really cool about Mr. Ranch is all of our packs are backed by a lifetime warranty. Um, and it, it's kind of something that we learned from the military side of the business is those guys that get deployed with their backpack and they're living out of the thing. If something happens, you know, as inevitably things do, you tear a hole in it, buckle breaks, whatever, they send it in and we have a repair department here in Bozeman that all they do is fix packs. So we're not in the business of like taking a pack, you know, seeing that it's damaged and sending you a new one. We like to get packs from people, repair it and send them back their pack. So, you know, again, that was something that we kind of learned from, you know, the military side of things is like, those guys that are deployed with their backpacks, like 
they don't want a, a crispy new pack back. They want their backpack. Um, you know, that's something that we learned from them and we carry it throughout all of our lines. So, you know, obviously manufacturer defects are covered, but if you ever tear a little hole in your backpack or, you know, blow a zipper, you know, one of those things that just inevitably happens, like you can send it into these guys and they're wizards, man. They'll just like tear it apart, fix it, send it right back to you. You know, and if it's something that's on us, we'll do it for free. And if it's something that's on you, we might charge you a little bit of a fee to patch it up, but we'll get you your pack back. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, you know, that's really kind of in line with a lot of these industry, industry trends of, of repair over replace, which I think is just really positive in general. Um, and I, and I think the, the, the first thing that, you know, the, the environmentalism behind that idea is underscored by is the durability to start with, you know? So the less you have to repair, the better, the longer you can use it, the better. And if it, if it comes to it, repair it and keep using it. So I think that's great. Kind of speaking about that durability story, um, one of our thoughts on sustainability is like the more durable bag that we can make, the less we have to replace it. So that's the fewer bags that go into landfills. We haven't totally adopted um, a ton of recycled materials or you know some of these other post-consumer materials yet because they haven't been able to take a post-consumer recycled material that meets our fit-for-use guidelines. So we try to make something that like will last a very long time versus something that's like gonna, you know, get chewed up and used in a season or two. And you just have to go out and buy another one. We want to keep that on your back for as long as we can. And I, I think our, our philosophy is the fewer times you have to buy a backpack, the more sustainable that backpack is. Nah, absolutely. I agree with that hundred percent. And I think it's it's good that we have not just you guys, but a lot of companies out there that are that are adopting similar ideas. I think that's that's a good direction for the world to be going in because especially like me, I'm sitting in my studio here and I'm looking at all of the gear I have. And granted, I, I have it for different reasons than most people have it. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much. It's not necessary. Yeah, totally. And you know, it just it hurts a little bit when you have to throw something away that was like really good to you. Um, but it just wasn't made that well, you know, and that, that's kind of one of the things that sits on us is as, as a product development team and as a, a brand is to make really burly gear. So people don't have to jettison something just because it was designed poorly or built poorly. What has been your favorite design project that you've worked on at mystery ranch? Oh man. It's kind of like picking your favorite kid, <laughs> but there is a favorite. I, you know, I'm not sure. Um, there's definitely things that I'm proud of. Um, there's certainly aspects of different products that I've worked on. Um, you know, and we really emphasize like the team aspect um, in product development and Mystery Ranch as a whole. Um, that like, there's so many products that have changed hands and so many people have worked on. It's like, there's not a ton of things that you can really call your own. But there's a couple like really cool things that we've come out with in the past couple of years. Um, one of which is the TerraFrame system. And the reason that's cool is because that kind of harkens back to that, that external military frame that we made, you know, Mr. Ranch has been around for 20 years already. So that thing's been around for probably 15 of that, I want to say. And we've reworked it and reworked it and reworked it and it's changed hands. And there's been a lot of, experimenting and expertise that's gone into that thing. And now there's just this really cool kind of hybridized frame system that 
you know, people are not only using as like a really badass backpacking bag, but there's like, you know, pack rafters and other people that are like glomming onto this thing and using it for purposes that we never even dreamed of. Uh, and that's, that's probably one of the like really cool projects that we've worked on that we're just kind of putting these things out into the world and we're letting the customer like really tailor it to their specific needs. So that, that's a really cool product that, um, you know, it's gone through multiple generations of development, you know, changed a lot of hands and there's a lot of people that worked really hard to make that thing what it is. And it's a pretty bomber system. Well, I feel like we've only scratched the surface of all the things we can talk about with Mystery Ranch. I honestly want to sit down and talk for hours about military packs and contracts and design because that just is so outside of my wheelhouse, but maybe for a different time. For that one, I'm going to have to set you up with the big guy. <laughs> all right. Well, now I'm excited. I think I think let's get that one on the books. <laughs> but for now, I think let's, uh, I'll say thank you, Alex. This was a great talk. And uh, stay safe, healthy, and sane in your isolation. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. That's it for this episode of Gear 30. Thanks to Alex for the conversation. Thanks to J-Bob for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. If you're enjoying these Gear 30 episodes, please spread the word to your gearhead friends. Be safe out there, and we'll talk to you again next week.